0: 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 13, yeah. I have applied all these things to myself and followers for your benefit, brother, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that what? none of you may be not done in favor of the one against another, or sees anything different than you, but what do you have that you did not receive? If then you receive it, then why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. They did reign so that we might share the rule of victory. For I think that God has exhibited us as possible, as last of all, like men since death, because we have become the spectators to the We are fools for Christ's sake but you are wise in earth. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly threatened buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When we revile, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slander, we endure. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the rest of all things. Lord God, let's pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we ask you to help us to understand that Paul's words that he was conveying and writing to the Corinthian church. Lord, we pray that you would enlighten our hearts and minds and that they may have application today in this time in which we live in this church and to each one of us as individuals. Lord, I pray that the words I speak be not of myself, but be of your spirit, and be the words of Christ. And so, obviously, we are getting back to our study of the first Corinthians this week after taking a break during the Christmas season to look at the birth of Christ. And we're looking at yet another passage. And the theme is really no different than what it was when we left off. Chapter the last verse, chapter 4. Paul is, again, addressing the and he's contracting now with the notion of humility. And as we look at the New Year, this is his New Year's Day, to make a So I challenge us to look at this passage today and see how we can recall, to allow God and his spirit the of part is convenient. and I ask us to look at the contract that we're going to be made and ask ourselves: Do we look more like? It? Do we look more like the Corinthian church, or do we look more like the apostles? And I have no ideas, but I would ask that you make your own decision with respect to that. And we have seen Paul address this issue of pride and deceit And he started it all the way back in chapter 1. At the very beginning of this study. And he really hasn't picked his foot off the gas the entire time. And we're in chapter 4. And we're going to see this notion continue to play out. It was very important to Paul as it was destroying the church at Corinth. He spent so much time on the topic because he understood that... Pride eats away at Christians to the point where they no longer have a relationship with God. True Christian beat back by the grace of God, the idea and notion of pride that seems to rear its ugly head so many times. The greatest Christian leaders throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you Pick, exhibited a great deal of humility in all areas of their lives. When Moses was asked by God to lead the people, Moses' response was, Who am I God, that I want to go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the, the Israel out of Egypt? Gideon, in the book of Judges asked God, O Lord, how will I deliver Israel as my family has believed in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my house? Well, then John the baptizer was about to baptize Jesus. He said, I have need of being baptized by you. I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. And then a little bit later, he said, I must decrease so that he should increase. Peter fell on his knees at Jesus' feet and said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Paul claimed that he was the least among all the apostles, and a sinner himself. We just looked at the birth of Christ right during the Christmas celebration. We saw that Almighty God, choosing to be born in the flesh, did not choose to be born in a palace, but instead was born in a stable, and was laid in a cavern. A feeding trouble. The greatest of all humility. Christ is the most perfect example of that humility. Perhaps no church that was ever written about in the New Testament exhibited more pride and conceit and arrogance than the church that we are studying being court. They claim to be Christians, but in reality they act and look like the world. Now it's a problem. And unfortunately, it seems to be a problem for the church in today's society. Yes. They exalted their favorite leaders or teachers to the point where pride began to build up within them and started putting the church. Started destroying it and decaying the church from the inside out. They had a group, and we've talked about this many times. They had a group that acknowledged Paul. I'm mean, Paul. He's the best teacher. I follow Paul. And yet you had another faction that had the same thoughts as sentiments about the Bible. And there were even a third that had the same idea or notion about Cephas or Peter to a lesser extent. The two major groups as we said were Paul and Apollos. They were at each other. They looked down on them so they didn't believe and think like them. They looked at them as second class citizens. They were thought of as perhaps not being as smart and those that followed the only those that followed Paul did think think those follow the Paul was as intelligent as they were you sort of sounds like a lot of what happens today in the political world, it? and that's sad we have at least these people were promoting and following Christian leaders but now we have Christians that were both oh, ungodly leaders no. and looked down upon other Christians, who thought they'd make with I don't worry. In this passage today, we're looking at Paul as contrasting those that were of the Church of Corinth with the apostles, looking at their lifestyle. And whether there were similarities or differences with He's attempting to demonstrate what life should look like for all people living as Christians, as opposed to what life did look like to them as Christians or what they claim to be Christians. And as I've said and alluded to, we must be careful not to think that this passage just applies To the Corinthian church in the first century. Pride is prevalent. Pride is everywhere, all the time. Pride is just as prevalent today, perhaps even more so in our scenario and in our situation in day and time, it was for the Corinthians, the Corinthian church. So as we go through this, And we are standing at the beginning of a new year. I encourage us to think about this. we look forward into 2023. Make a concerted effort that our lives can look like true Christian lives. And not like the lives of those that were in the Corinthian church. Verse 6. Paul writes, I have applied all these things to myself and to Paul, for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. John, can you get that next slide? For some reason, I'm getting this slide. So you may learn and not going beyond what written. none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. So we have here Paul writing to church and says, I've applied all of these things to you. What are these things that he talked about? The things that we just went through at the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. If you recall... Paul referred to himself and Apollos as a new servant. And he's just gone on a big, lengthy discussion about how they are just serving. They're, they're just able-writers. They don't own anything. They're not responsible for anything. They're just serving God and serving each other. And that's the point that he was trying to fix it. And you recall one about them being rowers in the belly of a the ship. They were at the bottom of the belly of a ship, they weren't responsible for steering that ship. They didn't own that ship. They were just waiters, waiters just laborers, or servants to God and to other people. There was nothing that was within Paul or a that was inherently worthy of the praise that they were given or had been given. Paul then wrote to them that you may learn not to go beyond what is written. God's really curious about it. He said, don't go beyond what the Bible is teaching you and telling you with respect to honor, or respect, or admiration to your teaching. The Bible teaches us that we are to respect, treat with dignity those that they volunteer and do things for the But he's saying, don't go beyond don't get caught up in making too much mere service. Pointing to pointing to make. The Christian life is full of tension. It's keeping things in proper perspective, and this was no so different. He wanted them to keep this idea or notion of a the theme intention. When a theme or a theme becomes too much, it becomes a stumbling block. It becomes Stumbling block to both sides. It becomes a stumbling block to those who are held in too high of esteem, as well as those who are giving that adoration of praise. To those who are held in too high of esteem, or too much is made of them, then they start to think that they can throw That's not the point of this passage, well. The point of this passage is just the opposite. When those who Hold that leader in that high level of esteem and make it too much of them, then they start taking an ownership that that's my guy or that's my girl, and if you guys don't agree with me, then there's something wrong with you, and then you start to look down upon that person if they don't fall in long with you. That was the point that Paul was addressing, and that's what he wanted us to say, keep in check. When that happens, then division the is formed. When we hold someone in too high of a team, or give them too much praise and honor that the Bible tells us we shouldn't be doing, then divisions begin. We don't want to associate with those people, right? We don't want to associate with those because They don't think like us, and they don't talk or act like us. So we're lesser than we are. That was the danger to Paul trying to address in this passage. When we begin to think too much of ourselves for how we believed then pride is crept in. And pride is extremely destructive. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has given to. As a sign. Recall we went through this in Romans 12. We shouldn't think more than ourselves than what we should. It to get the constant pushback. We have to constantly battle this idea that, that holds over from our fallenness that we're better than. Ever. And you don't just have to demonstrate it out You can hold that back and yet think about it in related just as bad. The damage is just as bad. It is this tension that we constantly have to keep in our lives to make sure we don't fall into these traps. Same thing, something that is perfectly wholesome and pure, admiring or esteeming a leader, and twist it into something that is extremely destructive, both from the individual as well as we have to be on guard for that. Be watchful for that. That's in the last portion of this. The end of verse 6, Paul refers to them being puffed up, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of the Lord you get to the devil. I think of a problem when I see this we're being puffed up, right? We all see problems before they come, they come up right big. And so that, that's sort of the reference that Paul's talking about here: is, Don't swell up with pride. And esteem one the other. What begins with simple adoration and in respect, more than pride and arrogance. And looking down at those that didn't fall in one step with you. They were not only exalting their leader, but in essence they were exalting themselves. They were exalting themselves for being so hard to choose the leader that they chose. The Corinthians were puffed up, they were private, and most important. Verse 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast that you did not receive it? Are you really any different than anyone else? Are you more special than those who don't think just like you think? Why are you all puffed up like frogs?
1: What do you have
0: that you didn't receive?
1: Now, this may be a little obtuse
0: on the surface, but if you think about it, it's a very good question. What did you have that you did not receive? How many of us had any say in where we were born? Raise your hand if you did. You did. You had no say in that at all. We were born, to in the church, who we were born, and that was We did nothing to be here. People will say, Well, I'm a self made man, or I'm a self made man. You're not born. God's will, you were born to an Aboriginal tribe in Australia, making mud pie for your entire life. We deserve no glory for anything that we any place that we exist, or even to heaven. <laughs> there is no such thing as a self-made person. God puts us where we are when he desires to put us there. Pursuant to his will. What did you do to make yourself more intelligent than anyone? God alone is intelligent to whomever he will. What did you do to make yourself better looking than your neighbor? God formed you the way he wanted to form you. That's exactly what Paul's saying. Everything that you have, whether it's your, your finances, your good looks, your intelligence, where you were born, be most and mercy in front of all three, one of us. Amen. We didn't deserve anything. And you see, it's that idea that I did something myself and lends itself to the problem. So I'm going to because I lose this politician you know, over that politician. It's got nothing to do with me, it's got nothing to do with me. Are not responsible for the good things that are done. God gives them out according to His good and perfect will. And that's precisely what He was trying to tell the Corinthians here, what Paul tried to tell the Corinthians here. What do you have that God didn't give to you? The answer is obvious. Nothing. If you didn't receive it from God, then why do you know about it? You didn't do anything to receive it. God gave it to you. You didn't get to that point on your own belief. There is no room for boasting. The point that he wanted to make—it simply does not exist. We have no inherent reason to be conceited or boastful or thankful. Our only reaction should be thankful and gracious. Instead of allowing Christ to take fruit, the Corinthians should have been thankful and gracious the gifts that God has bestowed upon. They should have been glorifying God instead of themselves. Now, in order to properly understand this passage and to get the full effect of Paul's words, you must know that Paul, at this point, not is not extremely accurate. He has reached a crescendo in his patience for the Corinthians and their boldness, their arrogance, and and their pride. He's basically letting it happen with both bearers. And so, take that No know how through them. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without it, you have become kings. And would that you did reign, so that you might hear the rule, or so that we might hear the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us as a cause all my men since the death, because we've become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools, Christ said, but you, Corinthians, you are wild in Christ. We are weak, but you, Corinthians, you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are held in disrepute. To make an effect, right? It's like if you haven't eaten in five days and your friend knows about it, and your response is like, no, I haven't in five days. It reaches the crescendo where merely saying, yeah, I'm hungry isn't enough. You want to ask him to do it. That's exactly what Paul's doing in is here. He's using things that he's making it, he's overemphasizing the Morning he said, you all have everything that you want. You are nothing. You're all rich. You've become kings. In fact, you've become kings and Christians without Bible. <laughs> you've reached the pinnacle on our record. Right. Whether well, you sit right, so that we might share the rule with you. You're acting as a superior Christian. And since you have reached that level of superiority, <laughs> maybe we could obtain some of the crap for fall off your people. Verse 9 Paul's saying to them, While you all seem to think you are superior, we, being the apostles of Christ, we didn't get that number. But we haven't reached the same highly level of understanding that you, dear Christians, have reached in your Christian walk. He says, God is exhibited to us. He's apostle. As last of all, last of all, like men sent to the death, while you have one more abundant than anybody, he, God's apostle. Death. We have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Communicating so, this point, and he's teaching them this great deal so that they can understand what being a true Christian should look like. First, 10 says we are full. We're full for Christ's sake. But we being the impossible and are fools, you, you are weak. You're wondering. You're wise. But you are strong. You want to be held in honor, but yet we are held and just And we're both able to be Christians. The present hour we hunger and thirst. We wear rags, we're poorly dressed and clothed in holes. You think that being a Christian should mean you have everything, that you have all the power, all the money, all the love, wonderful clothes, but yet we, as a who are clothing is to have multiple people's clothes. Since you're a means that we are beaten by you with fists and we have no fault. It's all. And we labor working with our hands. Now he throws that in there. Because in the Roman society and culture, it would look down upon someone who worked with their hands. So Paul's saying, you will all act like you are a Everybody else. And here we are acting in state. We work with our kids. We're considered second class citizens while you all try to look like kings and be held in high esteem. They consider themselves to be esteemed more than others. When we are a revival or abused, when we are a revival or abused, we bless the abusers. It's contrasting how the apostles treated other people to how the Corinthians treated other people. When you're a revival, when someone abuses you, please curse them. What do you do? When you're We don't try to get vengeance. We don't try to get revenge in some way. When we are planners for people saying bad things about us, all things impossible, what do we do? We intrigue, which means we actually ignore or encourage. When people say lies nice and hateful things about us, we give them encouragement, we show them respect and love as a response. We have become and are still like the still in the world. The wreck of all things. Paul paints pictures of the Christian life. We had the Corinthian church in the 50 talking about and the apostles portray true Christian wall And he painted it with very vivid image. I think we can learn a lot by this contrast. We can learn a lot about what it really means to be a Christian, to walk the walk of the apostles' walk. It wasn't easy. It wasn't a lot of the Corinthians wanted to take part in it, but they also wanted all the conveniences of the world. They wanted to say that they were a Christian and give that eternal life that they taken care of, but then they wanted everything else in the world. They didn't want something do If somebody did that, they wanted to get even. We love, we show the love of Christ, the grace of God to everyone. It is difficult. It isn't easy. The Bible doesn't claim that it's easy. I think that too many times we portray Christianity as easy. Religion, for lack of a better term, that we just check the, check the box and move on. But Paul's very vivid and the word he uses to show us what it means to be a Christian. I think too often because we live in this wonderful country in which we live, Indicate. I mean, you take this three hundred year respite out of here, and people die for following Christ. That's just the way it is. We are an exception to that general rule, but because we are part of that period, and then we have a tendency to allow that pride to grow up inside us, the battle of pride and faith. Is a real battle, and it can creep in the least expected. So how do we guard that? How do we guard ourselves by maintaining, or how do we guard ourselves from having the spirit of deceit or of that spirit of pride? I believe it is maintaining the spirit of thankfulness and graciousness. Why it? the correct opposition to thankfulness and grace. If you are grateful, you are not thankful to anybody else other than me. That's just the reality of God. If we are sincerely thankful to God and gracious for his gift, then why is gets burned out. Because what that means is we understand and acknowledge that I'm not responsible for any good thing that happens to me. That that is only a gift of God. And when we can truly grasp that, then it keeps pride and bay. But what happens is, part of our fallenness tends to glue itself to us. And even the most trivial thing we we sort start right in because we think we're responsible for it and it ends up being look at me, I'm a pretty good guy because I didn't miss that the other day. the only goodness that is in me that flows from me is what God has worth through me that's easy to say and it's really hard to convince that all of the help of that every single day of our lives that's the battle of grace and that's the battle that will never end so we look at what we're the Make it a year of thankfulness and grace so that we can root yeah. out the pride so quickly, so easily, and readily, weird ugly within each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray God. What we do thank you for, your work. we thank you for Paul and your Holy Spirit, Lord speaking to our heart and mind the word that he penned in the Corinthian church. Father, we ask that you help us to fully grasp, and break and understand what it means to be thankful, what it means to abide by your grace, and give you glory for all good and perfect gifts that we receive, from the smallest to the greatest Father we know we really have no control over anything. And that should help us to keep the pride that we believe is us that day. May we go forward today, tomorrow, the entire year seeking to be truly thankful, seeking to be truly gracious for everything you give us. For Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'll stand and join